Kareem Abdul-Jabbar made a little bet with his good friend Larry Bird. I'll tell you what, I'll bet you can't eat just one. One Lay's potato chip. Kareem failed to mention that these were new Lay's potato chips. A real bet. And if you lose, then I win the bet. <laughs> Crunchier Lay's potato chips with more potato taste. Uh -huh. So they're more irresistible than ever. Just, just one? I don't believe you did this to me. Oh, no, it's you, man. It's you. Yeah, right. New Lay's potato chips, now more than ever, too good to eat just one. That old Lay's slogan seems like it's just a great piece of marketing, right? I mean, I bet you can't just eat one. But there's actually science behind why the crunchy snacks are so hard to put down. The potato chip almost has everything going for it. That's Michael Moss, author of Salt, Sugar, Fat, How the Food Giants Hooked Us. They have salt, of course. The industry calls that the flavor burst, because typically it's on the outside of a product, especially a snack. It's the first thing that touches the saliva on your tongue, which, which is in the taste bud and sends that signal to the reward center of your brain, which lights up and says, wow, love that, let's have more. They're also loaded with fat and a mouthfeel. That's not considered a taste, but rather a sensation that gets, wow, love this. Kind of loaded with sugar. Um, not added sugar, but sugar it's in got the form the trifecta of, or, the, or the, the unholy trinity, if you will, of, of those three ingredients. But they're kind one of one of the most powerful things they have going for them is the noise. The louder a chip was when you crunched it, the more apt you would be to eat more of those potato chips. You have machines that would perfect the, the, the amount of crunch and noise, um, huge sensory powers, loud crunch, which kind of explains why so many people, as the old advertising slogan said, you know, can't eat just one. Based on Michael's description, it's clear why chips are just so addictive. They hit all the right notes. But how was the potato turned into chip form? How did we get from plain to flavors like everything bagel, pico de gallo, and bacon and cheddar potato skins? I'm Jenny Kaplan. And I'm Lindsay Rupp. Today on Material World, we're talking about the evolution of potato chips, looking at how they became such a big part of our snacking culture and how today's culinary trends have hit the industry. First, let's talk origin story. For that, here's Dirk Burhans, author of Crunch, A History of the Great American Potato Chip. We know that potato chips were invented as we know them in Saratoga Springs, New York. And some recent research by a fellow named David Mitchell has uh, put that date at uh, 1849 when they were officially documented in press. There is a legend that an American Indian chef named George Crumb was the inventor of the potato chip. The story goes that Cornelius Vanderbilt came into uh, the place where Crumb worked and complained about his fried potatoes, that they were too thick. And the legend has it that George Crumb sliced them real thin and sent them back and said, well, okay, see how you like that. And he loved them. We pretty much know now that that's a myth. 
but for years, uh, the various snack food associations um, kind of touted that as, as uh, the legend about the creation of the potato chip. So George Crumb and or Cornelius Vanderbilt may not have been involved when the chip was invented, but somebody in Saratoga Springs got the ball rolling. Chips became a regional and then a nationwide phenomenon. At the time, they were serving in uh, cornucopias, the way you might get corn chips at a restaurant today. They were served on tables. They were served hot right out of the kitchen. And uh, eventually, over decades, people figured out how to package them. Uh, how to mass produce them. And by the time of the 1920s and 1930s, I'm fairly convinced that every small city, at least in the eastern half of the country, had its own potato, local potato chip company. So these all started out as small mom-and-pop potato chip companies, but as with most retail kinds of businesses in the United States, they eventually conglomerated, they consolidated, and companies became bigger and bigger. And by the 1960s, you had Frito-Lay having distribution for their chips in all 50 states. Frito-Lay, which is now owned by PepsiCo, is by far the largest chip maker. The success of the company can be traced back to the 1930s, when a Southerner named Herman Lay introduced his own line of snack foods. Herman Lay was a very bright guy, and he started a lot of innovations in terms of getting the route delivery men to uh, personally stock um, and take care of the individual stores. He did a lot of consolidating. He just had a real talent for this. Apparently, he was a very nice guy. And by the time he merged with the Frito company that made the corn chips, they already had a, a real large, large infrastructure going on, and they did it very well. By the 1970s, pretty much late 1970s into the early 80s, um, you had a number of, a couple of other companies thinking that, well, this is the way to go. We've got to try to become the next Frito-Lay. We've got to try to, to get in, into stores all across the country. And that was uh, Borden. And also some of uh, people might remember Eagle Snacks. Eagle was part of Anheuser-Busch. They originally distributed their snacks on airplane flights in the early 80s, and they also became nationally distributed potato chip brand. But basically, neither one of them could really compete against Frito-Lay. So Eagle folded in 1995, and Borden eventually sold off their uh, constituent potato chip companies. And to the best of my knowledge, Borden only still has Wise Potato Chips, um, which you probably know in New York under their stable right now. Frito-Lay is the company behind its namesake chips, plus Doritos, Tostitos, Ruffles, Cheetos, and even more. You've probably noticed that many of those brands have branched out well beyond their original flavors. How and why are they expanding when they already have successful brands? We're going to use one of my favorite flavors as a case study, barbecue. As two North Carolinians, we're pretty much barbecue experts, so it feels appropriate. Frito-Lay's foray into barbecue has gone beyond just barbecue lays. They've got honey barbecue, lightly salted barbecue, sweet southern heat barbecue, kettle-cooked mesquite barbecue, hickory barbecue. And that's just in the lays brand. There are even more barbecue flavors for ruffles and sun chips, for example. 
I went down to Frito-Lay headquarters in Plano, Texas, and got a culinary tour of the barbecue evolution. I got to try the different kinds of barbecue chips alongside the real thing, the actual recipes they were based on. All right, so this is this is your plate here. Thank this you. is this is a Lay's original barbecue. Been on the market for decades. Okay, big big brand for us. The first major change in flavoring happened when PepsiCo, the world's largest snack maker, first hired a chef in 2007. Um, it is the simplest of our barbecue portfolio now. Chef Jody Denton is an executive research chef at Frito Lay. He walked me through the evolution of chip flavors at Frito-Lay's research kitchen. We started using chefs about 10 years ago in, in flavor development, and it, it, it really changed dramatically uh, how, we, how we developed our seasonings. Hiring chefs changed the way PepsiCo thought about flavor development. The consumers are wanting more complex flavors, more meal-like flavors, flavors that remind them of particular foods, and it is nearly impossible to do it under the old model because they just can't get to the complexity without having real food as a target. Before 2007, they simply contacted a flavor company and asked for a barbecue-flavored chip. The flavors that were created for our snacks were basically created in a lab by food scientists and and seasoning experts using flavors and different powders and they would come up with these flavor combinations and put it on a chip and test it out and then see if the consumers liked it and then they would launch a product. But with their own staff of chefs on hand, PepsiCo started working toward coming up with a very specific target recipe. They started an Iron Chef style competition. If they were trying to create a North Carolina-style barbecue chip, for example, they would have three different chefs create recipes and then a panel of testers decide which would work best for the chip brand in question. Once the marketing is aligned on what flavors they want to pursue, and we, and we usually do somewhere between four, four to six at a time that are going to be developed, and out of the four to six, they might only launch one or two, but once they've aligned on what flavors they want to pursue we will set up a, a long-distance uh, conference call with all the chefs, go over the flavors, and decide who's going to, to, to do what. And we want three chefs working on each flavor. So there's usually four chefs participating, but we'll have three executions of each flavor. And our our collective goal is to make sure that one of us is going to have something that they're going to agree fits the brand, fits the design concept, fits the target consumer. And it's not always the one that everybody thinks is the best. Sometimes the one that everybody thinks is the best doesn't fit the consumer, doesn't fit the brand, doesn't fit the design concept. Sometimes it's a little elevated or too gourmet or too chefy, too authentic. Using an Iron Chef-style competition to develop a new kind of barbecue chip flavor is a lot different than just calling up a flavor house and asking them to create barbecue in a lab. So what's driving this change? 
even though it may be a potato chip or a tortilla chip, we can actually get to a, a point where you can evoke an emotional response in someone and trigger a memory, uh, especially with, with aromas and, and smells and tastes. When we can do that, when we can get somebody to, to taste one of our snacks and it tastes so much like the food that it, that, that it is, is the design, the, the flavor design for that snack, that we can actually get them to, to trigger memories and have an emotional response. That's a, that's a big win for us. So that's what we try to do. There's also more innovative regional competition these days, according to Dirk Burhans. The modern trendy potato chips are back to those old kettle chips, that old kettle style with the thick chip and the hard crunch and the hard bite. And um, you've got some really interesting chip companies out there right now that are that are just kind of artisanal, avant-garde sorts of packaging, just a real, a real interesting slant. It's, you know, the, the apt comparison here is Micro, uh, micro brewed beer. And people my age, you just grew up with Miller and Budweiser. That was all there was. And now you've got a zillion micro brews. So um, the analogy is that um, the potato chip industry is, is kind of now more like a micro brew beer industry where um, you've got these interesting, quirky little companies who have managed to get a little toehold in there and um, make something interesting that people want. People want something interesting. We, we're very, uh, we're a very culinary-aware country nowadays, and people don't just want some kind of picnic-style chip anymore. I mean, yes, they do for a picnic, but um, but there, there's so much more out there available now. Um, so it, it's put the big companies in an interesting position where they're trying to act like a little quirky mom-and-pop company, uh, and, and that's not what they are. The move toward more culinary influence fits in with broader food trends. Frito-Lay is also working to reduce the sodium in its chips, and that could help appeal to increasingly health-conscious consumers. There's, there's two huge trends that go across the entire kind of middle part of the grocery store, um, packaged, packaged foods and snacks. That's Michael Moss, who you heard from at the top of the show. He's an investigative reporter who's done a lot of work on this industry. Want us to reduce not just salt um, because of, of, of people's concerns about the linkage of salt to, to high blood pressure or other health problems, but sugar and fat as well and or calories at the same time. And so, yeah, you're starting to see um, any number of products, including potato chips that have less salt in them than they used to. But the other big trend, too, is a trend toward clean labels, as they call them, reducing the number of ingredients on the label because people have kind of gotten scared of chemically sounding names. And people, well, let me back up. People started reading the ingredient list and packages. Um, and, a, you know, and a list that's too long and too fat with too many chemically sounding names of ingredients, even if they're really not bad for you um, is a real turnoff for many people. So so companies are going for, you know, five ingredient, four ingredient. They're even starting to advertise that. And for years, I think Lace has been ahead of that curve in recognizing that simplicity in ingredients is super desirable. 
So we now know why they're doing this, but is it actually working? Does having chefs around PepsiCo really make the flavors more appealing? And do the different barbecues even taste any different? We brought in a crew of our peers to test it out. Here's Kim, Lauren, Becca, and hey, Bob. They're trying why to... Why Bob sit there and then... We can put the chips here. What you should do. Um, okay, so everyone start with the regular Lay's barbecue. Wait. Yes, that one. Okay. It's delicious. That tastes like a regular barbecue chip, which is quite good. Also, like, it's, it has, like, memory associated with it, and you taste a barbecue chip. You remember like, that, oh, yeah. that tang from mm-hmm. the old days? Yeah. Like, that reminds me of childhood. It's yeah. kind of sweet, though. It's a little syrupy and not potatoey. Do you prefer the barbecue to the just the regular chip? No. No. No, absolutely no. not. So now we're going to move on to these other newer kinds of flavors that are supposed to be based off of a particular kind of food. Why don't we start with the loaded bacon and cheddar potato skins ruffles? It w- Sour cream and onion. That's what it tastes like. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. I don't think it tastes like a sour cream, like a classic Lay's sour cream and onion chip. But does it taste like a loaded bacon and cheddar potato skin? Well, no. you can taste the potato at least in I this one. On like because it is potato. <laughs> I don't taste the bacon at all. I think I taste bacon. It tastes like a potato chip with chemicals sprinkled on <laughs> uh-huh. top of it. Yeah. All right. So that one gets a lukewarm reception, I would say. To, to cold, lukewarm to cold. <laughs> let's move on to the. Uh, let's go for the taco, the crispy taco flavor. Oh my god, the. This one's mm. especially bad. This mm-hmm. one's horrible. Oh, oh god. My god. Why? <laughs> Does it taste like a taco? It tastes like taco seasoning. Hmm. It tastes like I just ate a mouthful of taco seasoning. Like I took a bag of taco seasoning, poured it into my mouth, and then now I just can't get rid of this flavor. <laughs> I think it sort of tastes like a taco. It tastes like well, the kind of taco you'd expect in a in New England or something. Hey, no, it tastes like it's yeah, like, like a Taco Bell taco. It's like the hard shell taco with just ground beef and shredded cheese on top. Okay, our last chip is everything bagel with cream cheese. I don't know what that tastes like. I'm offended as a New York Jew. <laughs> it just tastes like salty cream cheese. Yeah, agreed. I don't understand why you'd want a bagel and cream cheese in chip form at all. You, the, a bagel is the part of a bagel that's good is the bagel. When they're getting into these really complex flavors, like trying to replicate baby back ribs, which is <laughs> pork, and then also the barbecue sauce, and then you put that all in a potato, it's just not gonna, it's not gonna line up appropriately. The reason people love baby back ribs or bagels and cream cheese is not for the flavor of them. It's because you want to bite into a bagel and eat a meal. And you love like the feeling of chowing down on some ribs. It's like feels very inauthentic to have it on a chip. It's clear from our taste testers that big chip companies like Frito-Lay have a lot of work to do before a flavor like everything bagel comes to the same sort of prominence as a barbecue. 
Our panelists definitely liked the more traditional barbecue flavor best, and they even talked about how much they like plain chips. Still, the more wacky flavors like crispy taco definitely appealed to people who wanted to try something new and different. When we brought the different chips back to our row of desks, people from all over the newsroom came to try. Yeah, and some of them even came back for more because they couldn't have just one. We'll leave you with that. Thanks for listening. For more Material World, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Bloomberg, or anywhere you listen to shows like this. Also check out other great Bloomberg podcasts like Game Plan. It's about life in the workplace. For more news on Frito-Lay, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jenny M. Kaplan. For more from Lindsay, follow at LC Rupp. Michael Moss is at Michael Moss C. Dirk Burhan's book, Crunch, A History of the Great American Potato Chip, is being released in paperback this October. Material World is produced by Magnus Henriksen and Liz Smith. The head of Bloomberg Podcasts is Alec McCabe. We'll be back in two weeks. We good? So we've we've united the generations here yeah, for love of the potato. I think we're done.